Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience, powered by Gasoline Alley Harley-Davidson and M33 Productions. For all your photo and video requirements, get in touch with us today. My guest today is Tony Armstrong. Tony is a former Australian Superbike champion and has been in the motorcycle industry for over 40 years with his store, Springwood Suzuki. Tony has an extreme knowledge of the motorcycle industry and has a few stories to go along with it. I hope you all enjoy the show. If you get the chance, head over to YouTube and hit subscribe, give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we'll be back with another show very soon. Welcome, Tony Armstrong. Thanks, Mick. Mate, um, it's been it's an absolute pleasure to have you in. I've been a I've been a patron of um, your shop for my whole motorcycling life of living in Queensland, and um, yeah, it's it's been amazing to see that shop change and evolve over the time that I have been up here as well. So, who's Tony Armstrong? Um, Tony Armstrong is a um, obviously a motorcyclist that. Uh, Parents didn't have motorcycles or um, anything like that. I think it was going for a ride on a BSA on the tank when I was probably four years old around a, wow. a, a backyard and um, then, yeah, fell in love with motorcycles. Is that right? So were you a, were you a Queensland, Queensland kid growing up here? Or? Um, from grade three, grew up just over the border in Kyogle for the first um, four or five years, then moved to... Um, Queensland and been here ever since. Is that right? So, good place to um, grow up and learn around in northern New South Wales, isn't it? There's a yeah, good part, good part of the world as well. But uh, yeah, there's nothing like up here. We've, we've been lucky with all the everything that's been going on the last few years. I think Queensland is uh, the place to be. Absolutely, mate. And you made yourself a home up here, obviously, in that that lifetime. When uh, riding that BSA around, when, what was the first bike after being on the tank of that? What did you get into? Um, I Talked Dad into buying me a um, Deltex Rock Hopper from yeah. the local, I think the lawnmower shop sold them in, in them, them days. And it was, uh, yeah, my first uh, taste of motorcycling at probably seven or eight years of, of age. And, yeah, it was good fun. I wonder, like, that is obviously a predecessor to, like, a Peewee 50. I wonder how many bikes of those Deltex they sold, because we've sold a lot of Peewees over the years and JRs and stuff, but a lot of people's first bike was the Deltec, eh? It would, yeah. I'd, I'd love to have one in my collection, actually, yeah. just for, you know, sentimental. I don't know what they're worth, but, yeah, I'd love one. Yeah, it's one of those things. They had, they, they had um, you know, there were so many variants of that sort of style of bike, and I, I said it to, uh, we had John Hafey in here uh, the other week, and I said, you know, there was the Bridgestone sort of style one that they made and they, um, yeah, pretty cool bike to even still look at today. A bit different, you know, to, to what became of the motorcycle, I guess, eh? Yeah, for sure. So what was after that? Were you just socially riding around? You were just, what, what was going on then? Um, yeah, it went from there to a, to a big bike. I think it was like a posty bike, a 90cc. Big banger. <laughs> 90cc um, scooter. Yeah. And then when I was about... Uh, Probably 14 or 15, I purchased an IT175, the very first Yamaha IT that didn't have alloy swing arm and it was just a fairly basic then, but that was really started to get the taste and taste for speed then. They were fast too, eh? They, they, they were. They were good. I, um, I, I've got a TS185 in my collection home and um, like considering the suspension and the brakes, and stuff that were on it for the time, it's surprisingly even now you hop on and go, oh wow, that's got a got a fair bit of go. Those bikes were fast. Being the two strokes, yeah, yep. they were they were they were very nippy. Yeah, yep. and reliable. 
and reliable. Yeah, yeah they really were bulletproof. Basic, yeah, yep. basic bulletproof bikes. So we we riding up around here like dirt track sort of stuff. Or what, what was your foundation? Um, grew up in uh, Cleveland, so we had plenty of tracks that went from all around, you know, Alexander Hills to Mount Cotton and whatever. There was no house, just a few farms and whatever. And there's a whole heap of us. We just all meet every weekend and just just ride and ride. Man, I, I can't believe that. <laughs> like li living up here now and looking at those places to be able to think that, you know, a mountain bike in some of the places that you would have been riding in, um, to be able to ride a motorcycle so close to home would have been a pretty cool opportunity. Yep, money had to risk about uh, half a kilometre on the on the road to <laughs> get to the dirt in them days, so it was good. That was good. That was good. And um, obviously a group of mates... Uh, you know, you have your mates from school and stuff. You, f you start to, when you get into bikes, you so sort of start to find a home or whatever. Is that, did that start to happen for yourself? Yes, yes. Yep. That, that, um, that definitely happened. You know, got to start to ride a few, you know, bigger bikes. And a guy said, you know, have a ride of this uh, GT550 two-stroke. I was Jeez. about 16. I had a ride of it. I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's great. I want one of them. Wow. And that was your first introduction to a road bike? was my first introduction was a GT 550 Suzuki. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> and um, on the road, just straight away on the road, no, yeah, no, uh, not rules, but no uh, no worries with it so much back then, I guess. No, it was, um, yeah, I never had a, it was be pre, just pre-licensed, probably was about 16. Yeah. And I thought I'd go and see the local Suzuki dealer at Capalaba, John Wormsley m Motorcycles, and um, I put a deposit down to, to get one and he, when he told me about a week later, he said, look, I can't get the, G the GT550, they're finished. Ah. Suzuki's making a, uh, you know, it's a GS550, it's four-cylinder, you know, four-stroke double overhead cam. I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll have one of them. And told all the mates, you know, I've got this four-stroke Suzuki coming and everyone said, you're mad. Suzuki's never made a four-stroke. It'll be, a, it won't be very good, but uh, let me tell you, it was, uh, it was bulletproof. Hey, there's still a lot of them floating around now, Tony, isn't there? Like, you know, you look at, you look at the, that era of the GS and stuff, the early one, there's still a lot of them floating around, 550, 650, wasn't it? And at 850, yeah. is that correct? Yeah, yeah, correct, Mick. Yeah, they did, um, yeah, yeah, 550s and... Yep. Um, yeah, 750s, 1,000 cc's Obviously, in the GS's, yeah. then the, the G models with the shaft drive, which was 850, like you just mentioned. Yep. Um, yeah, there was um, yeah, lots of them. And when they, all, they were just bulletproof. They just, you could not harm them in, it, in any way. So were you, you, did you still have your IT at that time? No, IT was sold to make way for the... For the road bike. For the road bike. Did you kick around on dirt bikes much longer or was it straight to you had a love for road stuff? No, I just had a love for the, the yep. road stuff. Isn't that funny how that works for some people? Some people get really acclimatised to the dirt and never even get to ride a road bike and some ride a road bike once and won't touch the dirt bike ever again. Happens a bit. Yeah, it does, yeah. No, I just got hooked with the road and obviously I was a bit naughty because when I bought the <laughs> got the 550, it was, I didn't have a licence, so I was in a little bit of trouble with the... With the law, not bad trouble, but just yeah, I didn't like like stopping. I understand that. <laughs> what what was the road bike scene like that at that time? Like we're talking, um, what are we in like seventy eight somewhere? Yep. What yep. was the road road bike scene like in the, in that around here? Yes, it was big. Yeah, had yeah. met so many people with with bikes, and we used to make um, 
or eight-track movies in them days, the old eight, and we'd find a deserted piece of road with a bit of a hill or whatever and we'd have, you know, wheel stand competitions and just play around and, yeah, make movies and have good fun. Now, I read something online and, and, and I like to do a little bit of research of different people and there's a lot that comes up here as well, but you were a bit of a wheel stand person. That was your original discovery of going to go racing, wasn't it? You were a wheel stand uh, person on Surface Paradise Strait. that be correct? Yeah, that is correct, Mick. Um, that was probably my f- first introduction to Springwood Suzuki. They, um, we used to go down and watch all the, the road racing and whatever, and then at lunchtime they'd have a, a wheel stand competition. And I uh, entered the you know the competition and um, won the won the competition. I think I got $150 from the owner of Springwood Suzuki, a uh, guy Graham Wood. And uh, yeah, you could have be- you know you'd have beers or a few rums on the hill while you're watching the race. <laughs> then at lunchtime, it was pretty chaotic. Everyone would be you know standing on the track while you- they're moving back as you're wobbling around on the back Seriously. wheel or whatever. Yeah, and that was uh, yeah. You'd never do that today. <laughs> no, nah, it just seems so foreign to even think about it today. You know, you you can't walk into uh, anywhere with any like a any beer or anything pretty much or anything now to. To that time where it was pretty uh, pretty open, we um w- were you like were you a good rider? Like I know you can wheel stand in that, but did you get straight into it and you obviously became good straight away, or how how that work for you? Um, you just had a uh, GS thousand uh, one S that won the wheel stand competitions and that on, and it only had foot pegs that were about an inch long. Because they'd all ground off, and I was forever having to arrow dyed up the alternator cover <laughs> cover from. Um, wearing a hole in it and that was the service station where I did my apprenticeship at the the guy who owned the, the shop then come in to get fuel and I was a, I was a Bowser boy besides a, yep. a mechanic and, and you know I recognised the guy and he just said oh you're the guy because the bike was at work he could see the bike there and he said oh you're the crazy one that does the wheel stands and whatever I said yeah he said come and see me Katanas are just coming out and I'll get you racing on the racetrack. I'll point you in the right direction, he said. Wow. So he said, you shouldn't be doing this on the road. And yeah. And there you are. So your first, had you done it like, because they didn't really call them track days then, it was a club day, wasn't it? More so, like, is it, would that be right, do you know? Um, no, first up, even on the GS Thousand with the Gatan, we'd, we'd hire Surface Paradise on a Saturday afternoon. It cost yep. us 10 bucks. You'd just ride down there and wow. cut loose on the track with guys on, CX500 Hondas to all kinds of different bikes but we just go down and burn around the track and yeah, loved it. So it was just a matter of just just hiring the place and just rocking up wow, sounds like a good time eh? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that sounds really good. Um, I was a member of the Richmond River Motorcycle Club I think they were the ones that were doing the days down there um, in those times like the club days and stuff, they hired the track and that so it's interesting to talk to some of the members over the years and different things about how it went and how it was and how it grew. And um, it was a good track, eh? It was a it was a great track. Yep, a lot of memories there. How was riding the katana? Did you go from a five fifty to a thousand, then the katana? Is that correct? That's that's yep. correct, Mick. Yeah, the um, the katana didn't really know what to what to do to it, but I put all the lights and stuff like that off it and put some different tyres on it and 
went to, I think, the first race meeting was at, uh, I think it was Surface Paradise. And just, yeah, we all, I think they had, I think it was D grade in them days. They had D grade, C grade, B and wow. A grade. So. It's pretty pretty crazy, like that that uh, that era. And we we turned on to racing in that part, or wasn't really a we interested in it. Yep, as soon as straight soon away, as, straight away, hook, line, and sinker. Because that that era of um, the GS thousand and and that for the American superbike. If you look back through the history, some of the like uh, Wes Cooley bikes and stuff through then, um, pretty iconic machines nowadays, isn't it? To look at. It, it is yes. You know, how was the Katana? Once you got going, just the, the, yeah, the katana was good. I think uh, yeah, first race meeting was like a and on the podium, a third or a third, I think it was, and then the the next time raced it was at at Lakeside. You know, and I won the first race, and then I think got kicked up to C grade, and just, and just started kind of you know me. was at, you know towards the pointy pointy end all the time. The katana was yeah, you know it was a. Uh, cutting cutting edge motorcycle back when that first came out. Was I was going to ask you about that. So that that was you know how over the years there's been um, obviously eighty five the G six R seven hundred and fifty come about changed the way of bikes. Um, Ninety eight the R one came out. That was one of those. Katana was probably that as well, wasn't it? In at like the early eighties. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Like you just said, yeah, the Katana then the eighty five GSX R yep. and probably. The 900, you know, Kawasaki. For sure, yeah. But, you know, the... Yeah, the um, 754, the first real four-cylinder Japanese bikes, uh, that sort of... They were, like, game changers for all the brands. Like, all the brands have had a chance to do it. Um, 916 Ducati. Yep. Um, just changed things the way that they sort of went. Um, so, club racing uh, through through that early 80s period and that, what was, what was like, the scene like of, of that? Like, from the photos I've seen and things like that, it was packed. Like, people just... Embrace racing bikes, you know. It it it, it was like a uh, a small GP or whatever. There was just that many people there for our small tracks. Everyone, you know, got behind it, and it was yeah. Racing was very very big back in the eighties and in the nineties here in Australia. Well, and forgive me for not remembering properly. Was it Graham Wood? Was that the name? Correct. So that was your first introduction to that gentleman. How, how did Obviously, Springer Suzuki, it's an iconic store. You've been yours for 40 years this year. Congratulations. Um, how, how, did, how did you get into being part of that store? You're obviously a mechanic. Did you get in there as a mechanic or just buy it? No. Um, Graham just wanted to get out yeah. after I first got in. And um, I ended up just buying a, a half, share of, half share off him. Yeah. He'd let someone else in. He'd sold half a share to someone then half a share to myself and he kind of got out but yeah we stayed friends right till he's passing um a few years ago Man, that's that's um that's an incredible relationship over over many years to, to to hold hold on to and obviously there was a bit of uh he obviously seen something new at that time to to get you on into that as well yeah yep that's right if it wasn't him i wouldn't be wouldn't be sitting here right now that's for sure so yeah when we're when we're chatting downstairs um you said that they were in Moss Street originally. Did you go there originally in there or they'd moved around, it had moved to Kingston Road? It had moved to Kingston Road then. I think it moved to Kingston Road in late 70, 79, I think. And in the same spot that you are these days? Exactly the same spot. Just in a, it's just gradually. Um, it's got a bit bigger like, we'll get yeah, to that. like the owner. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Not that part, but we'll get to the bike <laughs> shop part. Um, 
at, at the time. So Suzuki's obviously going through a, uh, an awesome period of bikes and stuff like that. Was it, was it a good time to be part of that brand? Yes. Yeah, just so straight away. Yep. Because yep. you, you look at uh, uh, Kawasaki probably had their run of um, the 70s. They had a really good run through. GPZ came through. Uh, that was good. But Suzuki really went on a run of some pretty cool models through the 80s and pretty iconic time for Suzuki, I think, hey? Yep. They definitely grew yep. for, for the 80s, that's for sure. With the... Um, with the shop, how, how many people? Tell, tell me about the shop at that time. What was the shop like? Oh, the shop in them days had, um, I think, um, two in the workshop. Yep. One in sales and one in spare parts. I think about five, five staff or six staff, that was it. Simple time. Very simple. <laughs> very, very simple times. And what was uh, what was the popular bike at the time? Was it was it going to a Katana or was that a stretch for people? How, how did that sort of sit? Yeah, Katana was very, very popular, but it was there's all the 1100 ESDs and the EFEs, which a lot of people drag raced. And, yep. Uh, and obviously their motocross bikes were very strong. And obviously they had the TS-185s. They were, they were big sellers. They were like $700, I think, when I started. They Is that were, right? Yeah, they were... Because they would have sold as many of those nearly as posty bikes. More, more in the day, I think. Is that right? Yeah, because you, you look at how many of them are around. That, that all the ER, obviously. Yep. Um, there's so many of them around. And to this day, like, they they pop up everywhere. Like, you, you can't go to a farm. You can't go to a farm in Kyogre and not see a TS or ER185. <laughs> so, like, they're absolutely everywhere. So, um, did Graham stay part of the business or did he just no, gradually he, pulled out? he yeah? just gradually pulled out. Where, where did your business sense come from? Not sure. Yeah, had no... Just timing. Yeah, just in the right spot at the right time. Timing and hard work. Yep. Not not schooling or... Um, yeah, not schooling or just... Yep. Hard yeah, work. Hard work and yep. add up. <laughs> Two things that help. Um, <laughs> now, did you go in there as a mechanic or did you go in there, like, because you said to me you're a mechanic before, did you go in there as a workshop? Or no, straight, no, sales. Straight into sales, yep. yep. Were you a salesperson at that time? No. <laughs> but <laughs> like yourself can talk and, yeah. Just, it all works, yep. And you, if you've got the same passion as the person you're talking to, yep. it's, you know, you don't really sell them a motorbike, they end up just, yeah, I'll, I'll take that, thanks. That's right. And I think, um, and, and you would have seen this over the years as well, Tony, the, um, a lot of that passion... Uh, has changed throughout different parts of the industry. The passion that you would have had at that time and, you know, obviously still today to have your store and that. Um, a lot of people don't have that same passion, I feel. Uh, do you see that? Yeah, no, exactly right. You, yeah, some some motorbike shops you walk into, it feels like you're going into a Bunnings or something. It's not, not personal. Like that. You, yep. Yeah, that per, just that personal feel or whatever, even though they all do good business and do the same thing but yeah they haven't got that that passion that yep. keeps it going yeah i to totally understand that and that that analogy is probably the perfect way for it like you go in there just to buy a um it's like buying a generic item if, you know you go in there and it's like but when you're going to buy a motorcycle you're buying a lifestyle you're buying something that you want some people commute on it but they love their commute because they're going on it there's more to buying a motorcycle than just going up to buy an item exactly same so, yep. um 80s, uh, big bike boom all the way through. 85, the GSXR came out. 
did you were you still racing and owning the shop, or were you just how, how'd that all go? Because that's a that's a tough balance when you've got a new business and stuff. How'd that all happen? Yeah, no, I had had um, yeah, obviously the business when the um, GSXR yep. come out. So and that was the way everyone you know thought we've got to race one of these. So got one ready and just raced it in standard form for the till there was a few you know exhausts and bits and pieces for them and yeah they were they were a very fast motorcycle standard off the shelf and then um yeah to cast your memory back to that like to ride say a katana a stock katana and then to get onto a stock 750 was it like just changing like it just total change yeah it was like getting off the awning board onto a <laughs> something that you know, really stopped and handled yeah it was that that much of an evolution over those few years it was a big big change yep how involved like you look at these days and we've done um a couple of bike launches and stuff together um how involved were the factories then did, did they ever come out to suzuki like did suzuki come out to you guys and say hey how this is our new model or we were you just a long way away from japan long way away from japan and a okay. long way away from suzuki australia because um back in the 80s and 90s suzuki australia only looked after virtually melbourne tasmania and sydney there was a separate importer for suzuki into queensland ah. in perth in a company called mayfairs and they still are the only people anywhere in the world that do the suzuki cars here in queensland Seriously? Because of the relationship they've had with the factory, you know, over all the years. Wow. So that's just how it's always been. It's how it's and always, always will be till to whenever. Yep. That's that's intriguing because you, you just uh, automatically think that uh, it, it would just be, you know, nearly one, one brand. I, I know over the last few years and you've seen it evolve with the brands you've got in-house now, I guess that's sort of starting to change its way with uh, other manufacturers. Um, so I, I guess it makes sense, but it just seems seems a bit odd, you know. <laughs> uh, with the, with the racing, uh, what what sort of tracks were you doing then? Obviously Lakeside. We had uh, yeah, just Lakeside and uh, Surface Paradise. Yeah. Then then I decided I'd go down to um, I think it was um, geez, what's the one outside Melbourne? Sand yeah, Sandown. Sandown, yeah, yeah. Sandown, Calder. Calder, Calder, yeah, Calder. That's it. So I went to, to Calder just for a, you know, for a different track and more different competition. Everyone said, oh, you look, Melbourne's the home of the superbike and, you know, you'll struggle down there and whatever. But me and a couple of mates went down there and showed them how to, how to go around their, <laughs> their home track. Who, do you remember some of the names that were racing around that time down, down in Victoria? Who would have been coming through there, you reckon? Um, yeah, well, I was in the era of obviously... Um, Rob Phyllis, yep. Mick Doohan, Michael Dowson, um, you know, uh, Lenny Willing. Oh, I can't think. That's great. Yeah, crazy Mal, names. Mal Campbell. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of... A lot of, a lot of furious competitors. A lot, lot of talent there was, yeah. I, I watched... Um, and I'm guilty of this. I, I, I just love the... I still love the bikes, the sport so much of the bikes. I, I watched... Uh, the 1988 uh, Superbike Championship from Lakeside. I think the coverage actually is probably better than the modern coverage. The ABC did did a pretty good job, to be honest. But it was an interview with Robbie Phyllis midway through, and um, it was, you know, 
there's John Smales. How, how did you think this went? And you've got the option to have so many bikes. And he's like, just straight back. Bit. Well, we don't have the option. There's the factory teams have so many bikes. And I was like, that's just, you don't, you would never get to hear any of that sort of thing these days through the paddock. It was pretty cool. It was so raw, you know. Yeah, yeah tell it as it is. How it is, you know, there was no media training. There was no nothing. And I'm like, that's cool to see. And I was watching, I think, man, I'd love to hit. I'd love to see more of that. You know, that'd be pretty damn neat and probably not too bad for the sport too. ABC did a good job back then of the coverage. So, um, how was Calder riding that? That's a damn fast track, fast straight, pretty tight back section. It is a bit like Will Willowbank, not a bit boring. There's nothing too technical. If your bike's yep. fast and you can know your braking markers and whatever, you, you yep. go pretty pretty good there. Now, 88, you won the – what was – as Australian Super White Championship. Huge thing to win. The most prestigious thing that we have in our sport for road racing in Australia. How'd that feel? Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a good good feeling. It was the, come down to the last round at the home track at Surface Raceway, yep. which was Surface Paradise's last race meeting ever. Was it really? And I um, won, it, won the, the championship on my birthday. What an iconic day! So it was a good, uh, good, good birthday, and, and my uh, yeah younger son was born the next day. So it was a party weekend. Oh my goodness, that's um, that's a, that would have been an emotional time, mate. That's that's huge. Who 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 was uh, who came second? Do you know? Um, I think Mal Campbell or Michael Dowson. Damn, I'm not sure what order they were, but there was the three yep. of us. Yeah. Because you, you look at that time, I think uh, Mel went on the run for a couple after. Um, you know, it's a pretty damn good era of the sport. Like some some furious competitors in there, in there. Oh, that's right. Like in in then '88, I think we were lucky enough to come third, but that was just for probably being more luck and con consistent. We had some young fella called Mick Doohan come in, come come in, in on the Yamaha and show us all what to do as well. So what was that Yamaha he was on then? Was that the um, FZ 750? That's right, isn't it? FZ 750, The OW. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, basically like a factory factory spec bike too. They were, they were pretty pretty um, pretty good bikes too, weren't they? It was good bike. When Suzuki had that era of the 750 and uh, it was coming through, what was the model that was like the real small limited run of those? They had the... Um, like a full race spec sort of thing, like a R, I guess, or something that you'd call these days. What, what was that? Do you remember? Yeah, that was a, a, a GSX-R 750 RR. Right. That had a yeah aluminium fuel tank and close ratio gearbox and titanium valves and, yeah, straight up. There was only, yeah, there's probably 20 or 30 of them in Australia. It was very, very limited numbers. Is Is that what you're on or not? No. No. So you're on a complete G6R750R? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I was, I, was, I was often wondering that because you look at some of the other bikes that were coming through of the era, the era there was um, some pretty special machinery in there and it shows you how good that G6R was as a bike, eh? Yeah, that special one that they made, it kind of came out too late. It was like 89. They'd already been out for four years. Yep. So there was other, you know... Uh, models coming along in other brands that were really developed. Eh? Yeah, re re yeah, developed. Because you look at the, the ZXR came along. That was that that was a, a heavy hit. Um, 
there's some pretty good bikes come through, you know, around that time. And obviously, uh, it it got to a time where uh, you or you obviously seen that as well because you've seen the Katana, you've seen the GSXR, then the next ones copy copy and repeat and improve the formula, don't they? Yep. What was the other tracks you're on for that Superbike Championship? So surfers, you would have had a lakeside. No, 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 no lakeside. Lake no surface. Uh, I think Oran Park. Yeah. Was that Thunder Ride? Yeah, yeah, that was a great track. Yeah, technical. Like, yep, yeah, very, t- very technical. That yep. was that was a good track. Um, Sandown, the yep. one that's the one that had the horse track mm-hmm. as well. That was the one I thought was cool a bit. And I'm just trying to think of the other one. Maybe Adelaide. Okay. Yeah, right. They, they, they um, yeah, Oran Park would have been probably the pick of the as a as a track to ride. I guess eh? it was. It was a great track. How how was riding surfers? Was surfers a good place? Surfers was great. What was what was good about that? Like it had obviously the main straight, then there was a good back section of it. What what made that a fun track to ride? Well, yeah, it was fast. It had a little bit of everything. Some couple of tight yeah. stuff and some. I think they. I think under the bridge at surfers was the fastest corner they ever set set on a you know a racetrack in Australia. Wow. Yeah, in a lot of run, a lot of runoff area. Yeah, like more like a modern track with the runoff and stuff like that. Like with that part anyway. Yeah. They, a lot of the meetings back then were car and bike, eh? Um, not to start with, but yeah, we did have a few Went to car and bike meetings and you'd just see the transporters that they have for the car people and the wheels and what everything. Jeez. It's insane. Money. Yeah. Was that, do you think, and, and I know they did it this year for the current superbikes, do you think it's a good good thing to have it with the cars? I, I think, yes, yeah, some meetings or whatever because it gets another audience. I agree. Because... Yeah. As you know, the motorcycle industry before COVID come along, it um, was taking a bit of a hit mm. and we've got so many new people coming into the industry, which we needed. And I think if we could get new people that, well, that motorcycle looks fun or whatever on the track, maybe they won't race, but they'll get be interested in motorcycles. For sure. And I think that's I think that's a good initiative with it too. And I, I guess that the it was probably... Uh, just sort of formulated at the time the four by two meetings and things like that but now there's obviously such a um a push in it i know motorcycling australia and asbk are like let's have it with the cars let's you know they had the um two up rides with the car drivers then the bike riders would go out the media that came from this year's one was really good it was exciting and something that you want to actually watch and see and hopefully bring some eyeballs to to a different side of the sport because the cars for some reason Massive amount of eyeballs on it. They do, yeah. The big, huge yep. crowds, and in yeah, the eighties and nineties, the crowds that you know the motorcycle got is similar to what the cars get today. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine that would have been. And seeing some of the footage of you know your Oran Parks and that with that hill, like it was packed. It was it was just insane. Did you ride Bathurst? Yes, yes, did ride um, Bathurst. How was that? Um, I, I raced Bathurst as a as a B grader, and yep. they didn't have the like the dog leg, the chicane in it. So it was the just full contact. So it was just full um, flat out down as fast as, and I think we did 260 or 270 back in that. That's in, a long way. In uh, them days. But, um, yeah, it um, didn't, didn't only race there once and I thought it, it's dangerous for a motorcycle. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I couldn't care less if never come back. Yep. But a few years later... Some track was cancelled somewhere, and they ended up having around them. It was a thing called the Aussie Land Superbike Series. 
Oh. And they had that at um, that at Bathurst or whatever, so I had to go back because I was kind of going very well in that series. But yeah, a lot of people weren't keen on yep. on riding there, but we all had to ride there, and you just try and do it safely. What, what were we on at that time? Was that a G- G6R? G6R. Yep. Hey, that's uh, that straight would have felt like forever. It was like it's a long compared just compared to what we have. You know, that's a long long straight, especially it, without the king. Actually, when we raced the Aussie Land Superbike Series there, the kink was there. Ah, so yep. we were, I raced there once as a B grader. Yep. Thought, yep, I've had that experience. And then when went back a couple of years later, yeah, the, that chicane was in it. Was it better? No, I liked it. You liked the Yeah. yeah it yeah. was a really hard break at the end from such a... Oh, it would have been. How were the brakes on those bikes then? Pretty good? They were good. You wouldn't want another big straight to straight after it to yeah. stop, stop again. <laughs> Need a bit of time. <laughs> the supercars there the other week, and think of think of a bike running around the top of the mountain would just, especially a modern as as well. Like the speed of a modern superbike on top of it, um, it's not really top speed. Like 270 k's an hour, 260 in 1987, 88, 89. That's damn fast. Yep. Um, but to come around on the top of a modern G6R1000 would be just so fast up there. Well, you look at, I watched a little bit of Bathurst, the cars there, and you see yep. the rear view mirrors are hitting the fence mm. on that. Consistently. Well, consistently, and I thought, how would you be? You know, you'd have to have your handlebars just about yeah. scraping there to... To, to be, make it work. To be the perfect lap. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and, you, and you watch uh, every race now, you watch the ASBK the other weekend at, uh, at the bend, everyone is on the limit. Like, there's no, not much room for forgiveness at the moment. Um, you know, it, the fitness is at a peak. Um, the bikes are fantastic. There's no room for forgiveness, you know. So it would have been, it'd be, it'd be a crazy time to watch a superbike around, um, around there. But they're fast now, aren't they? Very fast, yeah. I think I'm not sure what the world superbikes, uh, how fast they are, but you look, Moto GP, 360 at some tracks. It's so fast. It's, it's, um, yeah. But it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Did you go to the 89 GP? Yes. Went yeah. As, a, yeah, as uh, a rider? As a rider. Yeah, because they had the support for support Superbike. Race. That's right, hey? Yep. How was that? That was great. That they must were. have put, like, obviously the Wayne Gardner time put a huge spotlight on to Australian Motorsport. Yep. And then obviously Mick Doan to come afterwards as well. But that would have been a pretty cool time to be part of part of the industry, wouldn't it? It was. It was, yeah. It was a great time. How'd it go at Phillip Island? Was it fun? It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, it was just the atmosphere and, you know, racing in front of 100,000 people was, yep. yeah, huge. And did you do all right there? I w- wasn't on the podium, so. Okay. But And as a competitor, that would probably that'd annoy you a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, gee, tough, tough fields too. Like you look at that time as well. It was a pretty, pretty crazy time of fields as well. Was that around the time when Robbie Phyllis had that massive crash that, had the sparks and everything on the 750. Do you remember? I think it was, yeah. You ran off coming onto the straight. Turn 12. Think, yeah. Or 13 or whatever it is, yeah. Yep, yep, you're right. As that time, hey? Yep. That drew a whole lot of attention on Australian motorsport for, for a period of time. I remember seeing some footage of some of that coming through and it was pretty uh, pretty impressive, eh? How was uh, how was the Wayne Gardner years? Did did that – because he came back and did a couple of wild card stuff on, at Surface or Morawakis and stuff. Would that be right? Did you ever ride against him there? No, only in the Earlier. Su- yeah, support race or whatever, but not against him. Yep. I think he did a Swan se- – they had a thing called the Swan Series. Yep. 
and he rode a rode a um, one of the NS three cylinder five hundred ah, yeah. Hondas. As a as a sort of not a test, but it was probably a test, really. Yes. With with your racing, were you like private, like you funded at, through the shop, obviously for your business. You were a privateer. Privateer. I mean, privateer winning a superbike title, pretty cool. Yep. That must be a good feeling. It was a great feeling. When did you finish racing? You went through for a long time uh, afterwards, I know, but... When, when oh, I stopped in about... I think I had my accident in 90. So what was the accident? Um, a lakeside. Yeah. Just just a big high side launched me uh, high up into the air and come down and yeah. wrecked my right elbow and Jeez. put the right femur out of the... out out Not through the leathers, but out through the skin and whatever, so that slowed me down for a little bit. Uh, whereabouts, Lakeside? Um, what's the top? Uh, eastern, no, not the Eastern Loop. Southern Loop? Southern Loop. Yeah, okay. Coming out of the Southern Loop. No fence or nothing, just the way you came down? Just come down hard, yeah. Jeez, you must have come down hard. Yeah, actually, someone's got a photo and you can see the bone sticking out with the leathers. Yeah. On the, on the track, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's torture. <laughs> that's torture. So, like... Uh, you're probably eight years into being a business owner. Yep. That, that must be a huge shake-up at that time, yeah? Yes, yeah, huge shake-up. Dad you know, as well. Yep, dad as well. Yeah. But, yeah, just kind of all I lived for was racing before that and then when I was injured and recovering, I concentrated on the, the business a bit more and I just watched the business grow, you yep. know, overnight as well and just put a bit – I put as – Put as much effort into that as I was racing, and it just went, went, went great. That that's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, I don't know, they say they want to do something or whatever, but they don't put the time into doing it. And you know, like you're saying about your business, if you want to do it, it can happen. You know, like put more time in it to it. Things do generate, don't they? Oh, for sure, yep. 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 You, that, it doesn't come easy. You just got to put a bit of work into it and it'll come. If you do the hard work in, the rewards will will follow. So in the early 90s, how, how big was the store then? Like you, you've had it for eight odd years. Um, did you start to, did it start to grow uh, up, up Kingston Road further or when, when did that start happening? Yeah, it happened happened around then after. Yep. In the early, yeah, early 90s. Yep. There was other tenants next door, so once they moved out, I just started moving into into those. I was just renting in those days, and yep. then purchased the building. Yeah, probably you know early nineties or whatever, and then um, filled that whole area up, and then had an idea after travelling overseas a bit. I seen a cafe in a motorcycle dealership, so I thought, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I bought the block of land next next to work, and we built the new new shop and the cafe. And wow, yeah, business just kept growing and growing at the same time. So what was that? That was a scaffold place or something? What was in beside you? No, yeah. no nothing. It was just it was a just creek. A block, was it? Oh, a creek. Okay. So so you had that, then it shrunk, it grew to that next part where you got now, like that side. That's it. Where the driveway is. Hey, that's, that's, it. that's right. Yep. Ah, uh-huh. so that was, I was going to ask you about the cafe idea. Because I, I don't think I'd seen a cafe and a bike shop in Australia um, previous to that. No. There wasn't? No. no. Well, Peter Stevens upstairs had in their little accession, they had a little, like you get a coffee or yep. a whatever, but not a full with cooking and... Like a proper. Yeah, proper. proper facility. Proper, yep. proper facility. 
because that like I remember the the time it was about uh, 2000 early 2000s anyway yep. somewhere around that yep. um, where, where, did, where did you go overseas to see that who uh, was doing it um, a shop in England they had England. a it was a tram outside actually it was an old tram yeah and it was it, it was the cafe with seats out the front it kind of wasn't in the dealership but yep. it, it was cool and they had some memorabilia and whatever so I just started collecting you know memorabilia and photos we used to go and watch a fair few of the well we weren't made GP 500 cc yep. races with a with a mate and could, could get access to the bits on it so lots of photos which are still hanging today in the cafe of very young Rossies and stuff like that mate you've got a collection of stuff there and anyone that's listening take go in and take a look because you've got a um you got an awesome collection. Just different different memories to, of different things and different riders. Obviously, some leathers there, some of the photos, uh, some pretty iconic people that have, you've obviously been associated with over the years as well. And I, I know of a couple of people, but um, you've helped foster a few careers through the store as well, like sponsored riders and stuff like that. That must play a big part in, obviously, for you to, to continue doing it as well, yeah? Oh, for sure, yeah. No, yeah. I was, you know passionate about it and yep. yeah sponsored yeah lots of lots of riders and managed to get one of them into you know the world 500 series for you know, half a season young brendan clark yep and um yeah so no it was pretty good out of you know just looking after some you know ta- some people that i seen some you know some talent it's talent one, of, in. one of those things too because unless people it's so it's so difficult like it's so difficult to make it in motorcycle racing, unless people can help in any way. It, so many people just never do, you know. No, exactly right. Yeah, look, there's so many people out there that can probably ride a motorbike and yeah. and ride it well, but you need to, you know, need to, you know, you need to be able to ride it, obviously, but you need the luck and some. There's you like know, a few some people to help you. Yeah, some some ingredients. You need the support. You need to be, have a few people to help. Now, as the shop grew, you had Suzuki the whole time. Did any other brands come into in the nineties, or did you have is always Springwood Suzuki at that time? It was Springwood Suzuki until probably about ninety six or seven when Aprilia approached us. Ah, yeah. And then we we um, added a Aprilia and the little um, RS two fifty become the production bike to, to race bike. instead of the you know the Suzuki RGV or whatever. Yep. So I went back and raced for a, for a year oh, on, did you? One, on one of them in, I think, 98 or whatever, just did the local club days. and How was it? For a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, I think I managed to win one race That's or good. something. <laughs> had Queensland Raceway come in? Yeah, it would have. Yeah, yeah, we raced here. We had Lakeside in just Queensland Raceway. That would have been good. That would have yeah. been a bit of fun. Yeah, it was just me and a couple of mates. We just did it for fun, yeah. They're, they're a good bike. They were one of the ones that changed things as well. That's one for sure. Now, at, at, a, at a period of time as well, you raced some GP bikes as well, didn't you? Like 250 GPs and stuff as well in there? No, just had a couple of... Just some runs on them? Yeah, just some, some runs on them. Were they fun? Like? Like, not, not compared to the GSX-R, but GSX-R is a very production-based motorcycle. It, it would be a pretty cool feeling to go ride a 250 RS or whatever it yeah. may be, well set up. Yeah, well, yeah, good fun. I did get to ride up. When um, before Graham got out of the shop, he we bought a RG five hundred like a Moto GP bike. Yep. And we raced that. It was it was a pretty old bike, but it was still 
very fast and no one had one. You could still beat anyone that had a super bike. Wow. Even if something happened to one of the cylinders, it was still just as fast on three cylinders. Damn. If it was, if it would hold together for the whole race, you could win by, by a fair bit. So yeah, no, they were quick. They're a quick bike. Now, is that you know? Say, can we talk about your bikes? Yep. Yep. Is that your? Um, is that the one you've got? No. 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 no I know where it is, but yeah, I don't own that unfortunately. Because that's a. Um, yeah, to have one of those as, as a as a race bike uh, these days to, to to still have it's a pretty pretty uh, classic motorcycle, isn't it? That particular bike, yeah, that frame number and engine number was triple zero double zero one. Oh wow! It was wow. a first. I think they called them a Mark One or something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think um, maybe Jeremy Burgess might have even ridden a race who was a mixed mechanic for many. Yeah. Many years back in the, must have been, yeah. maybe the seventies or something. I forget yeah, because I, I think he went to Grand Prix mechanic in in eighty three or something. Yeah. So it would have been seventy nine or something. Yeah, like. before yeah, yeah late seventies maybe. So this is like uh, the Gamma sort of era, is that right? No, before the Gamma. Before the Gamma, it was just, a, just a square four, same same design, same principle, yep. same principle, but yeah, it was just the first first album. Were they just – now, you're a mechanic. Were they just hard to tune or was it just – they just weren't built? Right? No, they weren't hard to tune. They were just so many moving parts. They had, like, rotary disc valves where the carburetors went on the sides that, you know, because four cylinders, so there's yeah. four of them and four of this and four oh, yeah. separate crank shafts and, yeah, so it'd be like four motocross engines together. They just, <laughs> yeah, you got to rebuild them. So – a superbike weekend was a hard work. Yes. Uh, sorry, a race weekend was a hard work. Yes. Yeah. It's so easy now, isn't it? Like if you if you go to go bike racing now, you can buy yourself a, a bike from your store. You can put a power commander on it if you choose or tuner. Uh, they come with a quick shifter. They, it's easy now, isn't it, compared – like in that way. Oh, a lot easier. The yeah, bikes are set the up. Bikes are, yeah, they've got, you know – Traction control and yeah, wheelie control and launch control. Yep. Do yeah, you still that. enjoy riding? Love riding still. Still love it. Yep. Don't do it as often as I should, but yeah, normally something new comes out. Yeah, I'll grab the keys and the helmet and go for it. Go, go for a ride. Now, as a, as a as a dealer for um, let's let's run through a few of the names. You've got Suzuki still. You've got Ducati. You've got KTM, Gas Gas. Um, what else is in there? Oh, Pista, the little scooters. The scooters? Little scooter from Peter Stevens. What's what's your ride that what's the ride that you, you choose if you were to go on for a ride today? What, what's something that you like? The Arvel. It's comfortable, it's got yeah. cruise control, legs are forward. Perfect. I, like I love riding a sports bike, but I can't ride it for ten minutes. I cramp up and Yeah. Yep. But yeah, yeah, something with my legs out forward, like a big cruiser or anything's un not fun to ride where the, the the Arvel's got some ground clearance. It's and it's got some horsepower. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a great motorcycle. Bad. It really is, and it, it's amazing how many people you talk to. Like, what's the what's the one bike that you have in the shed? Um, that's a common common answer, you know, because it's got enough speed, brakes really well, turns really well, yep. comfortable. You know, what else do you need? Yep. It looks looks pretty damn good too, as well. Yep. When Aprilia came on board, now they they went through a phase of uh, obviously the RS two fifty was a RS125, 250s were a crazy machine. Uh, the four-stroke era for them was starting to come through as well. How involved was was uh, were you in that? Like, 
they start coming through the shop, those millies and stuff? They did, yeah. They were, they were, they were great for business as well. They were, yeah. Because they were, I think they were just because they were different. And, you know, look, looks, look they good. Awesome. Just, they looked awesome, yeah. Just, yeah. Just sitting there without riding or seeing it going past. How, how long? Like, I think you kept uh, that in the store for a long time, eh? The Aprilia? We'd still have Aprilia probably today. Yeah. But the, <coughs> excuse me, the, the importer was a, a, a company called John Sample Group. Yep. And John was getting on a bit and then he, he got out of it. Ah. And at the particular time when we didn't go ahead with Peter Stevens, um, took over the motor guzzy and, and Aprilia, we decided not to not to keep going. Yeah, okay, yeah. But Aprilia is still, yeah, I've got a, a, soft, a soft spot, that's for sure. I can understand that. A nice machine, very nice machine. Because with, with JSG or John Sample Group, you, I think you had Piaggio in there for a little bit too, didn't you? Correct. So in, in that like 90 to 98 sort of era, did you go back and do some track days and stuff like that? You still obviously rode a fair bit. Yeah, just went and had a, um, a ride on the... On the two fifties, just at some local local meetings at um, Lakeside and yep. out at Willowbank, just for a, just for a laugh and a bit of fun. But it was it was good fun. Yeah, obviously, um, kids um, kids come into it. You had, uh, was it Anthony that was born the day after the Superbike? That's correct. So he came through. I, I did a bit of Supermoto um, in the mid two thousands against Anthony, but. He also got into racing bikes and bikes as well. Did your family adapt to bikes straight away? Was that something that? Yeah, he he always liked the the um, the bikes, but he was more he loved his motocross or whatever. Yeah, and right. I, I didn't want to ever push him to go road racing like me or whatever. But a few of the tracks had some um, like some motard days, a motocross bike. You put some yep. put some uh, some different wheels on it and go. And he he went okay at that. And, but he didn't ask to go any further, so I didn't push him to go anymore. Fair enough. Yeah, it's just just something that seems, um, you know, they're into it. Um, it's obviously came from somewhere. <laughs> um, so now through, through the, the next era, the 2000s, the cafe for, for your store, the cafe must have made a huge um, dint on the market of Flax Creek as, a, as bike shops in general because that was, that was a big move. Like a lot of people come to your store then, on top of what was already there, eh? Yeah, no, the cafe was, yeah, no, definitely a, a good idea because people would just come there and meet. Yep. They'd probably still go off and look at the other bike shops and whatever, yep. but they'd all meet there and they'd get to see, you know, our latest models or, or, or what we had. We might not have sold them a motorbike, but we sold them a coffee and a yep. steak sandwich or something. That's it, it's as as I said to you before, it's one of those moves that you just think, I just can't believe it. It wasn't just part of the scenery already, you know. It just when it, when it happened, it was like, oh, this was like it's meant to be. Um, it was a good cafe right from day one, wasn't it? It's done a good job. Great, yeah, no, it's a great cafe, and I can't believe no other shops have really followed, except probably here. You've got Gasoline Alley with the, yep. what what they've done here, which I think is be great for them as well. Hundred percent. It's it's just um, yeah, I, I, I'm the same same opinion. I just don't see why uh, locally that's just it's just not not done and it's just such a social thing i i remember those early times for yourselves we had uh, a lot of thursday night rides even from the store um these days it's a little difficult to to do that sort of thing but even those sorts of things it, it was uh it was, it was a good hangout you know because it was yeah it was just something that everyone was into 
been part of motorcycling and yeah, a lot of activity there, hey? Yeah, no, they, were the, they were the good old days. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem that long ago like anything, but um, gee, it's, it's certainly certainly changed. Over things like the Hayabusa and stuff like that coming out through, through yourself, how, how did that change your dealership? Like that would have been a bike that just would have moved units, yeah? Yep, the Hayabusa, it was, you know, it was great. Yeah. They were, they were obviously the, one of the fastest motorcycles that come off the production line then and yeah the orders for them were yeah lots and lots of them it it's it's amazing to see how many um like evolutions of that now they're up to the six series or whatever it is sort of now is this the last one do you know uh, no I, i'm not sure no not sure okay no, no, we'll read about it before we know <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's the trouble but uh it's yeah you just you just never know what you read and whatnot i was i wasn't sure but the, the way that they've evolved over the time, like they've still kept their, their same core, um, but they, um, they've evolved so much over their time too, haven't they? Yeah, no, it's, um, it just was a, a while between models, I suppose. They yep. just kept them going for, for so long or whatever, but they have got a, like your Katanas and probably your GSX-Rs and Honda 4s and all the different things. They've got a big cult. For sure. You know, cult following, like lots of brands have... Yeah, they yeah they definitely do. They, I, I remember in the, in the in the mid '90s reading a book that the, this bike was coming, and it was just like an artist sketch of um, of the Hayabusa, and uh, it's going to have a Japanese name for such and such, and like what is this coming? And then all of a sudden in store, there's this thing. And it's like what is this bike? Like we hadn't seen something that size since a um, like a Z Z thirteen hundred or something, you know, it was a big motorcycle to come in um, as a sports motorcycle. Hey, it was what did you? When did you start collecting bikes? Or did you start? Did you start um, piecing your bikes together over the time, or did you later on, like obviously things you work hard, you succeed better, more? Um, when did you start looking into bikes? Yeah, probably in the in the in the nineties. Yep, would have bought most of in the nineties. Was a lot of them I've had for. Yeah, more than more than twenty years now. So yeah, nineties and early two thousands. Did you did you think like you're you're more passionate about motorcycles than I am? You know, um, did you ever think of them as an investment, or was it just something you loved? No, nah, just because I had one or wanted one. Yep, you know, good. old water bottles or an RE five rotary, very odd, different stuff. I thought I would have liked one of them. Yeah, I love that because it, it just sort of seems now. Probably sort of like the Bunnings idea. A lot of people buy them just for the sake of them being an investment, yep. not the sake of, gee, this brings back a really cool part of my life or memory, you know. Um, yep. What are some of the ones? You've got an RE5 Rotary, obviously, or you had? No, nah, yeah, nah. got, um, yeah, obviously GT550 because I wanted one, but I couldn't couldn't buy one. GT750 obviously was the big, the big, big brother. What do they like to ride? A GT, the GTs were they? Yeah, good. They good. Yeah, yeah, top bit top heavy or whatever. But they were they were, right. they were for the for the era and time. Yeah, yeah, no, they were great. So you got those. What else is in there? Um, got pretty much all the GSXR, eleven hundreds and thousand katanas. Um, yeah, some you know RM two fifty motocrosses and wow. Yeah, old. T500s and yeah, I've got about not a huge collection, probably about 40, yep, 40 old dust collectors that 
are starting to, like you said, they they have gone up in gone up in value. Some people said, oh, "I'll give you give you thirty thousand for that." I said, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> I know. yeah. That was years ago. Now I think they've even gone up more. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think you just don't. You're passionate about motorcycles. That part's this, whatever you know. But um, yeah, some you got some really really cool machines through there. Is it all Suzuki's? Pretty much all Suzuki. Geez, yep. you've got a brand loyalty there, haven't you? Yeah. Well, Suzuki is where it all started, and it was the foundation, wasn't it? Was the foundation, even though it's you know, it's not as much these days. But yeah, no. Cut my arm, I'll always bleed a fever to Suzuki. As 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 representing a brand like that, and this year it's obviously like we've said, forty years. Um, they've been good, been good to work with the whole. Like it's been good, good experience. Great experience. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, the, the motorcycle industry, it's just really nice to hear and just the different stories that come through that and everything. Um, nice to hear that things are a good experience. For, you know, there's obviously tough, tough times through the middle there and things for everyone, but uh, it's nice to hear good experiences, eh? Yeah, no, you always have a couple of rocky moments or disagreements or whatever, but everyone's big enough and yep. get on with it and, yeah. What did you think, like, we, uh, we mentioned it before, but what did you think was the not downfall but pre pre the last two years or 18 months what, what bikes bike industry was in a uh, tough time of it was just a really tough time actually automotive industry in general cars as well uh, cars trucks everything why what do you reckon that is i think the cost of getting your license in in queensland i'm not sure can't talk for the other states but like it was a thousand dollars if you want to ride a little hundred cc motorcycle it's not a scooter. It was very expensive to, to you know, to get your licence. And when you could get your licence, you couldn't ride a bike for 12 months. You had to have a car licence first. So, you know, the poor apprentice that's on low wages, that it's his ideal transport, a cheap motorcycle to get to and from work. Yeah, the government and legislation, you know, I think that was one hiccup that, that stopped it all. That's... That's a constructive one, isn't it? That's yeah. That's that's yeah. That's exactly right. Thousand know, bucks. You imagine you imagine going back to being an apprentice. Someone slapping a thousand bucks in your face that you got to do that. We all love riding and that, but gee, that's a lot of money. Is it the same for cars? Do you know? No. Just for the bikes. No, just for the bikes. Yeah. Wow. Legislations. Any any other things you reckon with it? Yeah, it just took a. Seemed to take it. Yeah, just a downturn. I thought when petrol, you know, always get expensive. I thought, you know, the motorcycle industry might get a bit of a, you know, spring along, but doesn't matter how. You know, petrol's probably the dearest it's been for ages at two dollars a litre, or oh, yeah. what it is. I thought that would be good for the, you know, the industry in general, but yeah, it hasn't really. No one complain. You know, one's complained about the price of petrol. People just Australia, eh? We just roll around and just whatever goes goes. Over the forty years, you would have seen um, you would have seen the different phases of the different motorcyclists and that come in. How how has that changed? Has it changed much? Well, everyone's still the same to deal with. What's it like like that? Yeah, look, the, the <coughs> motorcycle industry generally, you've only got to come down to the, the cafe at work. Everyone's either got grey hair or no hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, there is. Yeah, just yeah, it's just a, a, an ageing thing. So hopefully, you know, with what's happened, we'll get a few more people people uh, through. T- 
to, to get into racing, like to, to go racing these days, what, what do you, like, you've done it, you've supported people doing it, you've been in the industry longer than most people have been in the industry. How, how do you reckon to get people into racing is a good thing? Like $1,000 legislation to get into riding, that's terrible. Got to be something with racing as well. There's got to be another way into that. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely probably, yeah, it's a lot cheaper to get your, get your licence to go. Yeah. To go to go racing. Um, 280 bucks, you got your MA licence. Exactly. Well, I wasn't sure having yeah. MA licence for a while, but yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy to think uh, you can get, you know, a race licence for that. Yeah, it is. A- and um, at, a, at, a, at a point I, uh, I complained about it, but... Um, it's not that bad when you look at it when you say it like that. Perspective changes sometimes, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Oh. Where, where do you see the – obviously uh, at the moment um, you've taken a step back from the store. Anthony runs the store. Yes. Where do, where do you see the store going in the next uh, five years? Does it grow further? Does it stay stay the same? What do you reckon? Yeah, look, I'm not sure what the industry is going to do. It's a lot of – some distributors are putting their toe in the water um, to buy – Online, right? Not, and you know, maybe I think one day we'll just be service agents. Yep. And you know, we'll deliver the bike for a fee, like some car manufacturers. I think Mercedes has just gone to it. Wow. And um, some, yeah, Audi or some cars you can only buy online when the, the Katana, the new Katana first come out. The only way you could buy that, you couldn't come in and say, "Here, Tony, here's." Here's a thousand bucks deposit. I want one of them. You'd have to go on to, onto the computer to Suzuki Australia. Yeah. Put your thousand bucks down. Wow. And nominate. Oh yeah, I want to. I want to get it at Springwood Suzuki or whatever. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a. It's. It's. I must say the the Suzuki. Um, I was on there the other night looking at G6R thousand. Um, the pricing system and. The system that they've actually got funneled in there now is actually really, really good. It's like basically live. You can build a bike to, to directly online. You can choose your dealership, your local dealership. Here's the ETA of the bike with yep. those parts on it. You know the, um, you know case savers, whatever it be. Um, yeah, I, that, I looked at that. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice way to do it. As especially if you know the things that you're you're after, and then you can come into the dealership and say these are. The, here we are. Here's, Here's a list. This is what I want. Yeah, and yeah. now you say that, I'm like, oh, that, okay, that makes makes somewhat sense now. It's um, gee, it's changed, hasn't it? It has. Changed. It really has. With the um, any any things you you would change yourself over the forty years of being in the industry? Change? No, not really. No, just you get lessons along the way. <laughs> if, you, if you knew what you knew now, you'd probably would do it different, but. No, I think um, yeah. Just keep good. Yeah. One question I've always wanted to ask you: staff retention. Have you done it so well? Look after them. Yeah. Look after your staff. Yeah, we've got staff over twenty years. We've got probably ten staff over fifteen years. Yeah. Then you know some new staff there that. Are, you know, even in the cafe, cafe staff, which is cafes, the highest turnover industry in Australia. Yeah. I mean, we've had um, some staff over 10 years in the cafe. Yeah, it's it's a place that you walk in, there's a familiar face every time you walk in and um, it's a credit to yourself and the, the rest of the team that's around there because uh, it's a hard industry to do that in. Um, 
cafe for one thing, but the the overall industry of the motorcycling that um, it's a credit to obviously everyone that's been part of that because. I walk in there, I've had the same service since I had in the 90s and um, it's been a good ride, mate. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, it's great, Mick. Yeah, it's good. I didn't know what we were going to talk about, but, yeah, no, it was, it was good, good fun. I like it like that. I, I, you know, I could send a list of things that we could talk about, but I'd rather just talk to you. You're someone I um, I really wanted to talk to for a long time and, um, yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed being a patron of your store, you know, and, you know, I've I've spent more paychecks there than I haven't. And, um, yeah, it's been good over the years. And uh, there, was, there was an era there where I had some different uh, different coloured bikes to, to what your store had. But you opened up a store and you had the store in Bundaberg, yep. which opened the doors to some other parts and stuff I was able to buy from uh, up north, yep. which was really nice for that era, mate. So yep. thank you for everything. It's been good. Cheers. Well, awesome. Yeah, great. Thanks, mate. Thanks. That's all we have time for in today's show. If you get the chance, head over to YouTube and hit subscribe on the Talk and Chatter page. Also, head over to iTunes and give us a star rating and a review there. It all helps to get the podcast out there. A big thank you goes to everyone that's been doing this already, and uh, we'll be back with another show soon.